0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. You know what Monday means. Monday means the great E.J. Raddick from NHL Now on the NHL Network between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern. How are you?
1: I'm good, Donnie. How are you today?
0: I'm having it in. Not as, uh, probably doing better than the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. They get word that Seth Jones is going to be out indefinitely. What does this do to the Eastern race and more specifically to the Blue Jackets?
1: Well, Seth Jones is one of the very best defensemen in the NHL, as as the listeners would know. And I mean, I would say top two or three. I mean, he's that good. He plays in all situations, Uh, first minute, last minute, power play, penalty kill, I mean, against the best players, you name it, he can do it. And uh, having him out of the lineup for any length of time is a real challenge. I mean, they've overcome a lot this year in Columbus, but the reason, and one of the reasons they've been able to overcome it is because they got those two Real, uh, real horses on the back end, and Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. So they got to hope it's not a serious injury, that is it's, that it's not going to be – he's not going to be out uh, for too, too long. But they said he's on IR indefinitely, so I guess we'll just see how it plays out. But, boy, he's a good player, and uh, it's going to – it's certainly going to – it's going to be a challenge for the Blue Jackets to continue to play as well as they have.
0: You know, you follow the Yankees, and last year they were just devastated by injuries, and it didn't seem to bother them. And you look at Pittsburgh, a lot of injuries, Columbus, the most man games lost in the NHL would make the playoffs as the season started today. Is it a mentality thing that just teams seem to be able to fight through this, and in some instances get better?
1: Well, I I would say this, that uh, not all injuries are created equal. And, uh, you know, from a standpoint of the teams that get the injuries, and from the standpoint of, uh, you know, how much depth they have to uh, get through it. I mean, the case of the Penguins has been well-documented this year. You know, Crosby's out, but they still have Malkin. I mean, they they, they still have, uh, even other guys that are out of line for them, they still have guys that could step in and play well. It's a pretty deep roster. I mean, they've lost Gensel for a long period of time as well, and, you know, they've still been able to find ways to be successful. Uh, it'll be a challenge for the Jackets. That's all I could really say. I just think when you lose, you know, 25-minute-a-night-type defensemen that play in all situations, uh, that's a real hard injury to overcome. But, you know, again, it depends how long he's going to be out. And we've seen, as you point out, there's been a number of teams that have really been able to step up this year and find ways to overcome it. So that'll be on the Jackets now. they still got Elvis, who's playing great, uh, Elvis Merlinkins and uh, Korpisala was, looks like he's getting healthy. So, I mean, uh, they've got some upgrades there and they still have Werenczi and they've just got to hope they can continue to do what they're doing they don't give up a lot if they can continue to play that kind of really stingy defense I guess they'll have a chance to continue to have success but Jones is a great player
0: you know, I don't know what to think of right now. I was calling the game between the Rangers and the Kings last night. Dave and I were having a discussion on the air. Of, of, we're getting to the dog days of the season, right? We're not close enough to the playoffs where you can kind of fire yourself up to get ready for the playoffs. But we're deep enough in now where teams can get tired, and, and the breaks are few and far between now. And you see Boston just you know lose to the – how do you lose to the Red Wings? How do you lose to the Red Wings five consecutive times, by the way? We're talking the best team in the league possibly against the worst team in the league. Do you find yourself when you're watching games that there are certain teams that maybe not mailing it in, but, but certainly have kind of hit a wall and are just kind of in a malaise as we get closer to the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of teams, you know, are going through that. That's the challenge of uh, getting through an 82, 82 game NHL season. It's the challenge of human nature. I mean, if you're the Boston Bruins and you look up and you're playing the Detroit Red Wings, uh, you know, anybody who's got the Red Wings on the schedule right now or. You know, some of the teams, you know, the LA Kings are struggling, you know, those teams at the bottom, uh, you know, you're really, uh, you know, you You have to maintain a focus to do the things necessary to win those games because as bad a season it's been for the Red Wings, I mean, they are an NHL team. They do have some good players on their team. Their coaches and their players all come to the rink with the desire to be to be successful and try to win. And uh, you know every game is uh, you know it's just a, it, it's a snapshot in a long season. And the, the the Red Wings have been able to beat the Bruins twice this year. They're five and zero against the Bruins and the Canadians. And that's a worst sort circumstance for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, if, flip that, and if the Canadians win those three games, you know all of a sudden they're sitting there with sixty seven points and they're right on the doorstep of being in the postseason. Heck, they'd be first in the Pacific Division if they had that many points. So. Um you know this is the difference between the teams that really make the push and are really the really strong teams and the teams that aren 't and the teams that on those nights can find ways to battle through that uh you know the the malaise as you say of the regular season and uh you know it was a it was a skip in the beat for the Bruins, but you know they're they're organization that's done a really good job over the last couple of years of fighting through that circumstance
0: starting to see teams in the west begin to emerge winnipeg has now gotten hot a couple of back-to-back wins at home line a has woken up he had the hat trick all the power play goals against ottawa on saturday so where do you where do you look at the winnipeg jets now is are they a legit playoff team and what can they do to improve to try to solidify that in a couple of weeks
1: well, I'm not a believer in any of those teams, so I'll be right up front. I think they all go up and down. I mean, Minnesota was really – they had a good week, right? Minnesota won. Uh, they beat Chicago. They beat uh, Dallas, you know, and and Vancouver. Three straight wins were looking good, and then they, you know, they lose to Colorado last night, and, and Devin Dubnik really has another bad game. Uh, you know, so – and, you know, Nashville's had ups and downs. Winnipeg is in an up right now. I mean, that was a big win over Chicago because you look at it, if Winnipeg doesn't win that game and Chicago wins in regulation, they're sitting there one point behind the Jets with two games in hand. So a really bad loss for the Chicago Blackhawks. But, you know, the Winnipeg Jets need help on defense. I mean, that's the bottom line. Their defense hasn't been good enough this year. There's good reason for it. They lost Truba, They lost Myers. They lost Bufflin. Uh, Their whole right side, those are three big, strong right-side defensemen all gone. Neil Piak has come in and been a helpful player for them, but they just don't have enough on defense. When they play well, it's because Connor Hellebuck bails them out a lot of nights, and he's been... He was great at the start, he slumped a little bit, and now he's been playing well again. But if they can add a defenseman of two or even three, that's what they need in Winnipeg.
0: Now, we've talked about the Pacific Division for a few weeks now. It's tightened itself back up again, but you know who do you believe in? Vancouver's dropped 3 in a row, Vegas 4-4 four, four and 2 in their last 10, Calgary's under 500 in their last 10, Arizona just 2 wins in their last 10. I mean, Edmonton's really the only team that's actually playing well, 6-3 and 1 over the last 10. I I guess it'll be a weekly question, EJ. What's with the Pacific Division and do you believe in any of these teams?
1: I don't I don't really to be honest with you, but you know that said, that said. I mean, you know, a couple of them, at least three of them, are going to make the playoffs. Right. And maybe another, right? So they're going to have an opportunity to, you know, and out of those three that definitely make it, one of them is going to advance to the second round. So, uh, you know, they're going to have opportunity. I mean, from a standpoint of the forwards, I like the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they're really deep in that area. They really need to help get help on defense. If they can do that at the deadline, that would be a big plus for them. I think they need, a, like, a second pair defenseman or two. I mean, they have Schmidt, who I don't think is as good as he was a couple of years ago, but still good. Um, They have, uh, you know, the Theodore kid, there, young player. And then after that, they have a cast of like, what I would say are like six and seven defensemen playing really above their head. So, and then you add into that Mark Andre Fleury, the first two months, he was unbelievable. And then he had the personal issue. His father passed away and he's been, you know, he was, he was really not very good at all in December and throughout most of January. He's played a little bit better, but still, um, there's been a lot of inconsistency there. So for me, um, you know, I look at that Pacific Division, and you know, I guess Vegas because they have some name, they have some name brand there. I like Vancouver's team a lot, uh, but you know, are they ready to take that next step? I'm not so sure. You know, Arizona this year still can't score. It looks like they're getting Darcy Kemper back, so that's a big plus. Right uh calgary is you know they're a minus 16 as a team so that tells you a little bit about where they're at um so i mean that's going to be a scramble down the stretch but like i said they're you know for those franchises they got to feel good three of them are going to make the playoffs and you know you look at it right now carolina sits fifth in the in the metropolitan tied with philly and point both of those teams would be in first place in the pacific division so uh, if you're in the Pacific, you gotta just be thrilled that you're in the right spot at the right time.
0: And with that format, you know, uh, as you said, three teams will make the playoffs out of the Pacific division and, you know, good possibility that you're, that's a key to the conference final. And you look at the Central, the better teams are there, right? St. Louis, Colorado's now won four in a row. Uh, Winnipeg we mentioned before, but Dallas is, you know, a team that's, that's starting to look, uh, pretty good. So you gotta be salivating if you're the Central because I'm not sure anything out of the Pacific's gonna scare you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you almost want to be that second wild card out of the Central and get yourself into the Pacific Division playoffs, yes, right? I mean, right. that seems like a more appealing path for you. I mean, think about it: Colorado and Dallas might be locked into a first round matchup. I mean, both of those teams, you know, they'd be they they are significantly, in my mind, better than those teams in the Pacific. So um, it's you know, it's always the matchups and the injuries, and then in the way it's set up right now, it depends on where you end up falling into. So. Um, the three best teams in the Central to me are in that order, St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. Dallas has a little bit of a matchup advantage over Colorado. They've beaten them all four times this year. So um, those, are the, those are the teams to watch in the West for me. But again, as I say, in the Pacific, somebody's already going to have a ticket right. for the second round of the playoffs. And if you can get there, you're going to obviously have an opportunity to have success. So uh, it's going to be a crazy next couple weeks to the trade deadline with a lot of teams really looking for players. There's going to be, I think, uh, it's going to be a seller's market. And, uh, you know, then that rush and that run in March into early April to the playoffs is going to be crazy.
0: And then uh, we look at the Eastern Conference, and the Islanders have slipped a bit. Only four wins in their last ten. They're now the first wild card, and even though they've got games in hand on a lot of these teams, they need to be careful. Carolina's won a couple in a row. We mentioned you know, Columbus, eight of their last ten. I mean, how do you feel about the Islanders right now? Probably need to make a couple of moves at the deadline, because that's a team that's very close to maybe slipping out of the playoffs altogether.
1: Yeah, I mean it's been they had that great run early in the season, fifteen zero and two. And then since then, they've pretty much been a five hundred team. Uh, you know, Carolina and Philly are right on their heels. Columbus is just a point ahead. But as you point out, they've got two games in hand on Carolina and Philly, and three games in hand on Columbus. So uh, you know they have a little bit of breathing room in that regard. But you got to win those games. I'll be curious to see what Lou does at the deadline. I think that you know they probably need another depth defenseman. Uh, you know, with the with the fact that Pelish got hurt and is out for the year. Um, and, you know, everybody will tell you they need to try to find more offense there. But as I've said many, many times, a fit for a team that plays like the Islanders from an offensive standpoint isn't easy to find. So right. I'm curious to see what Lou does, if anything, between now and, uh, you know, two Mondays out. All
0: right, full disclosure, EJ's up against it, so we wanted to at least talk to you a little bit. Uh, so we'll catch back up with the guys on Twitter next week. Um, best you of luck for everything that you're doing, and we'll be watching you on television.
1: All right. Thanks,
0: my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. That's EJ Rad. kind of in a rush today. I didn't want to delay it until Tuesday. We kind of have a groove every Monday, but wanted to get uh, some conversation going with him. Unfortunately, we had to get him out. We're recording right now. It's 1.42 in the afternoon. He had to be out by 1.45. So let's dive into uh, Twitter land and see if I can handle the questions on my own today. Uh, Shiny Wizard Kevin says, what do you think the NHL has to do to become more desirable to audiences so it's covered more frequently on Sports Talk Radio? Unless a local makes the postseason. It's tough to get hockey talk also. Is this similar across the United States? So I think you get a little bit more in Detroit, uh, places like Philadelphia, St. Louis now. uh, Hockey's been hot with the championship uh, coming to St. Louis last year. Uh, Boston obviously talks a lot about, uh, hockey in that area, but it's the same old dilemma. I mean, there's a couple of things in play here. Number one, there's a lot less drama in the NHL than there is in other sports. I mean, sports talk radio right now has kind of been driven by, you know, who wants to get traded, who said what about who, and kind of the drama stuff that doesn't happen in the NHL as much as does it have specifically in basketball and baseball and football. It's such a huge commodity in the United States and with them playing only once a week, uh, clearly, uh, that's why that's discussed as much as it is. Uh, and also I've always felt this that there's just, especially I can only speak for New York, but I'm sure it happens at other markets too. What is the strength of that talk show host? Are they, uh, strong in in hockey conversation. I, I believe that talk show hosts are comfortable talking about the things that they're comfortable talking about and that they know. And unfortunately here in New York, I can speak to where a lot of the big time names are not as hockey savvy and they lean towards other sports. And I think that may change over time, but uh, no matter what you do, you're never going to get it to be the conversation that the other three sports are. And that's why we have this podcast because I think there's an audience that desperately needs to talk about it, and that's why we're here. Uh, Chris says, Hey, Dashing Don and great EJ Rad. Do you think guys, uh, what do you think of the, of New York calling up Bellows up to, uh, A, help him, uh, get, uh, relevant NHL experience and B, to showcase him as part of a t- potential trade? I, uh, I think right now with well, the Islanders kind of at a stymie, Uh, Lou wants to make sure that these guys that deserve to be hauled up are called up. He's made an immediate impact. I don't know if he's being uh, showcased, but if the Islanders are going to make some moves here and you don't want to take anything off the immediate roster, it's players like this that are probably going to be asked for, and there is at least now a resume that he's called up and, and played. I have not heard that there's any kind of appetite that the Islanders have to trade him, but I will tell you this, if the Islanders are not careful they could fall completely out of the playoff race, and that's not something that Lou Lamarillo wanted to have happen. This was a team that was 15-0-2 at one point earlier in the year. EJ was just talking about that. This is a team that was supposed to take the next step after going to the second round last year. And that would be an absolutely huge disappointment if the Islanders missed the playoffs this year. Now they've got a couple of games in hand. They are the first wild card team. They got the Capitals tonight in Washington. Capitals coming off a miserable loss against Philadelphia. That's going to be a tough game. Islanders need to get some wins. And I think they might have to make a deal sooner than later. The trading deadline is two weeks from today. And if history shows you anything, deals seem to come way before the deadline. So so we might see a lot of things happening this week, early next week, before we actually get, uh, to the trade deadline. Uh, Aaron says, how about John Tortorella and Columbus? Imagine making the playoffs after losing Panera and Bobrovsky, Rentals Duchesne and Dezingle. Don't discount Anderson, Atkinson, Dubinsky, Wenberg, Corpus, uh, Corpus all missing major time with injuries, yet they keep rolling along. And now Seth Jones is going to be out indefinitely. Really, John Tortorella, I know he leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. In the media does not like him in general because he can be a little hostile. But he's a heck of a coach. He really is. And outside of Vancouver, he has had an impact everywhere that he's been. Cup in Tampa, conference final appearance with the Rangers, getting Columbus out of the first round for the first time in franchise history. He is a heck of a coach. And right now, if I had to vote, it would be between him and Mike Sullivan for the Jack Adams Trophy for the Coach of the Year. Ryan says, what's up, Don? Thoughts on Shea? Has a 5.25 or something like that cap hit. Could you potentially see the Rangers moving on from him in the near future? Well, when you consider what the Rangers have on the blue line with the emergence of D'Angelo, De- with the emergence of Lingren, uh, Shea is somebody that maybe we expected a little bit more from. He's a major cap hit, but remember, cap hits are not exactly the most attractive thing to deal either. Uh, he's had his moments. I think there's still a lot of growth there. I have not heard that the Rangers are in any kind of position to move him. But when you consider the money you have to give Kreider, the money that you have have to give D'Angelo, potentially the money you have to give Faust, that's going to have to come at the expense of someone. So maybe Shea would be on the market, because I think in the right situation, he could be a heck of a player for a team, and the Rangers seem to do have depth there. Uh, Robert says, do you think the Rangers will keep rolling with Igor as long as they still have a reasonable shot at the playoffs? Never mind a shot at the playoffs. It's just you've got to play the goaltender that gives you the best chance to win. And how do you not watch the Rangers and say that Shosturkin is their best goaltender? He has played six games in the National Hockey League, and he has won five of them. All right, now all the games have come at home. I think that's going to change on this road trip. The Rangers have back-to-back coming up later in the week in Minnesota and Columbus, so I do think Igor will get a start in one of these three games on the road, so he'll break that trend. But, you know, David Quinn doesn't care about rebuilds. He doesn't care about what trades are going to come. He wants to go out there and win games. They're nine points out of a playoff spot with a game in hand, so they still have a realistic chance, although I think most people believe they're not going to make it. But David Quinn wants to win games, and Igor Shosturkin gives them the better chance to win. He just does. He's been their better goaltender. So I don't know how this is going to resolve itself. This has been a major albatross around this team's neck for going on a month now since Shosturkin was called up. But you got to honor the play, and he has deserved to play. So I would not be surprised if he plays in Winnipeg tomorrow because of how well he played last night, making 40-plus saves and the Rangers' win against the Kings, a, a game in which the team in general kind of was lackluster and kind of went through the motions but still won thanks to the great goaltending of Shosturkin. So I think David Quinn wants to play him. I think he deserves to play. This guy has played in 126 games. In the AHL, the KHL, and the NHL combined, he has won 101 of them. I mean, he is a fantastic goaltender and deserves consideration to be the starting goaltender. It's just a matter of, you know, giving him his play. Adam says, "What do the Devils do at the deadline? Do you think Palmieri, uh, Vatinen, and Simmons get traded? Palmieri is one of the most um, intriguing." about considering his contract and how much of a leader he is on this team. Listen, the the Devils are in complete rebuild here, all right? I don't know if you've got the luxury of start thinking about what players to keep and who can be there for the turnaround. You've got to look at your commodities and how can you add to them. I mean, really, you're going to have, you know, a new general manager coming up here, possibly a new coach. You're starting from scratch. So I'm not sure you have that luxury of keeping any of the players that are on your roster. Really, any of them outside of the uh and the Hugheses and and, and players of that ilk. Otherwise, the veterans are all, I think, commodities that can help you get something in return. All right? So forget about trying to piece things together. And it's nice that this team is playing well and they've gotten to 50 points now. But let's face it. This is not a good hockey team under any stretch of the imagination. And they desperately need to get a rebuild going. So I think all of those players have to be uh, guys that are in consideration to get traded. Uh, Adrian says, Don, as a fun debate, is there anyone who has lost more because of lockouts than Alexander Ovechkin? Since being drafted, he has lost almost one and a half seasons, at least 110 games. How many goals do you think uh, he would cover? 60, 70? You know, that's a great question. Although, let's face it, too. By not playing those seasons, that might actually add to his career on the back end. Now, he's not going to be as good when he's 40 as opposed to the years that he lost in his prime, but he might have a little bit more mileage at the end of his career to get some of those goals back. Nobody lost more than Marty Brodeur. I mean, Marty Brodeur lost uh, half a season in 94-95 when he just emerged as the starting goaltender, right? Lost an entire season and then a half of another one. I mean, so... Marty Brodeur, with all of his wins, almost 700 of them, lost literally two full seasons of hockey during his career. So I don't think anybody lost more than Marty. But you make a great point. I'm sure Ovechkin, if he had the chance um to play in his rookie season he was drafted the year there was no season so he figured to with, with when you look at his career that's probably 25 30 goals he lost in his very first season and then the other half season probably lost a little bit more so yeah he probably would have somewhere i guess conservatively 50 more goals but could he make up for that in the back end not playing uh quite as much all right a lot of games tonight a lot of them is significant. Color uh, the 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 um, excuse me the Arizona Coyotes really struggling. We'll go to Montreal take on the Canadiens team that is has won three straight, trying to fight back into the playoff race. Panthers have lost two in a row. We'll take on the Flyers who are on the outside looking in. That's a huge game. A lot of eyes on the Islanders and Capitals from Washington tonight. That game has actually been picked up for national television with Ovechkin being two goals away from seven hundred. Islanders just four wins in their last ten. Blue Jackets life now without Seth. Jones, play host to a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has won six in a row. That's huge. Predators and Canucks. Canucks have lost three in a row. Nashville trying to fight for a playoff spot. That's big. Flames and the Sharks as well. Flames trying to hold on to that last playoff spot in the Western Conference. So all the games tonight of major significance. And we'll recap them all coming up on Wednesday. Pay, pay attention. A lot of trades may come down over the next week. History has shown that by the time we get to the deadline, most of the deals are done. This might be a little bit different because so many teams are alive for playoff spots, but it looks like right now that there may be some trades over the next few days, so pay attention. So We'll be back again on Wednesday. Leah Hexto will be our special guest. Any deals happen, we'll let you know. Go over what's happened this week as we get closer and closer to the trading deadline and teams having to decide Are they buyers, are they sellers, or are they staying pat? We'll get a clearer picture on the 24th, but we'll do more coming up on Wednesday. Thanks for everybody for participating today. Thanks to EJ Raddick. We'll do this again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on
1: 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.